Welcome back to Brandy Blaze, a weekly podcast about epilepsy, by people with epilepsy, for people with epilepsy, and our carers. I'm your host, David Clifford. In this very special episode, we are joined by an expert who will help us understand that there are seizures that are not caused by epileptic disturbances in the brain. If you're new to Brainy Blaze, I just want to state that I'm not a medical expert. I'm just someone that has struggled with the ins and outs of epilepsy for almost three decades. David, that was your cue. But I'm sick. Oh, come on. We'll edit it out all in post. No, seriously. I can barely breathe. I'm coughing every 10 seconds. Can't we do this another day? No, it has to be tonight or we can't hit Thursday's deadline. Plus, Dr. Kerr was nice enough to spend so much time with us last week. I know. You will go out there. I won't. And nothing you say will make me. The show must go on. Damn you. I'll do my best. This episode has been a long time coming, and I apologize it hasn't come sooner. As you know, I am not a doctor, and I find myself focusing on areas in which I have personal experience. Yet, for months, Brainy Blaze has had people contacting us for information about pseudo-non-epileptic seizures, or PNES. Wrong! Try again, dumbass! Okay, fine. There are more than one name for this condition. It seems like everyone has their own favorite. Which one do you like? What about dissociative seizures? You lose! Good day, sir! Okay, psychogenic seizures? Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Relax, David. We knew this was going to be tough. This is exactly why we've engaged an expert in the field to talk through the details of this condition. Right. His name is... How do you actually pronounce your name? Uh, Kerr. Kerr, um, okay. Like Steve Kerr. I don't know who that is. Oh, Steve Kerr is the coach for the Golden State Warriors. Ah. Basketball. Yes. Um, I'm not a big basketball fan. But if you would have asked me about hockey, I would have been totally down. <laughs> and I would know nothing at all. Uh, go Sharks. Dr. Wesley Kerr, an MD, PhD, is currently performing his neurology residency at the University of California in Los Angeles. Dr. Kerr has been studying this condition since 2012, when his first publication on the matter showed that a small but a substantial percentage of people evaluated for brain surgery actually didn't have epileptic seizures at all. We are delighted to have him on the show. So let's have Dr. Kerr explain the nomenclature of this condition. There is currently a, a debate about terminology. Um, as a review, this, these used to be called actually hysterico-epilepsy, which is super confusing because it's not epilepsy. Um, and things are not caused by the uterus. Men can have uh, functional seizures, dissociative seizures. Um, until recently, mostly people were using the term psychogenic seizures, um, which has also been uh, relatively offensive. Um, it's better than pseudo-seizures, which was another term of fake seizures, and these seizures are not fake. Um, and psychogenic is meant to say they're not generated by epilepsy, like epileptogenic. They're mostly generated as a physical manifestation of a psychological challenge. So psychologically generated, not generated by a person who is psycho. Um, as we've get, got more information about it, we've started saying that those terms, they have too much misinterpretation. Um, so functional and dissociative are sort of the more preferred terms now. Um, the difference between functional and dissociative is functional seems to be more of the American term and dissociative seems to be more of the UK term. In our episode 16, entitled By the Numbers, we walk through the process of what a patient goes through from the first seizure to an epileptic diagnosis. 
We try to describe just how difficult it is for a neurologist to narrow down what class of seizure a patient has. In that episode, for simplicity's sake, we didn't cover that there's a good chance that the patient could be actually having epileptic seizures, functional seizures, or even both. We asked Dr. Kerr the difference between the two. I have people contact me maybe twice a week asking about the fact that the neurologist says that they're not having seizures, right? Mm -hmm. And I have to say to them, no, he's not saying that you don't have seizures. He's saying that you're having seizures. It just can't be solved through epileptic medication. Exactly. Um, is that a good way to explain it or is there a better way to explain it? Um, it is one way to explain it that we do a lot of the time because as much as we name things and think about things, we want to think about how do we help and how do we do things. And if seizures are caused by abnormal electrical firing, then using medications that change abnormal electrical firing would help. And that's anti-seizure meds. If seizures aren't caused by abnormal electrical firing, then you'll have the side effects of those, but you wouldn't really have the benefit. So if it's not epilepsy, then we think about cognitive behavioral therapy um, and other types of therapies. Really cognitive behavioral therapy is the main thing we have evidence for. So it's less, less about what you don't have and more about what are the next steps in treatment and trying to help. That's a great way of putting it. Um, thank you for that. So coming back to, you know, how do you actually figure out where the origin is? What is the, the, the tried and true method right now for a neurologist to do that? So tried and true method is um, something we also do for people with medication resistant epilepsy, where you bring someone into the hospital, you put, hook them up with a very comfortable EEG that's sarcastic, um, and you keep them on video. And you take off their meds and you wait for them to have seizures. And if it's epileptic seizures, then you'll see the behavior. You'll generally see the changes on EEG and pair the two together. And you get information about where seizures are coming from, where they're going to, all things that are used for interventional therapies like surgery or laser ablation and stuff like that. Right. And I went through that with my surgery. I actually went through that twice the first time I went for nine days and I didn't have a seizure yep. and the next day I went for five days and had five day, five seizures. So, um, you know. And seizures of all types are random like that. We bring people into the hospital and maybe 10% of the time they don't have seizures. And the answer is we haven't observed things. So we don't necessarily know as much. Um, if people have functional seizures or dissociative seizures, then you see the seizures on video and they don't have the correlate with EEG. And they don't look like seizures that are epileptic that don't have the correlate on EEG. So you see the behavior, you see the changes. You also talk to people about what are maybe factors that are associated with uh, functional seizures like sex abuse or head injuries, um, other psychological traumas. All of those things add up and then you figure out your diagnosis. That's interesting. So the, the Seizures actually look different as well? Mm -hmm. Okay. So seizures caused by epilepsy, you think of the, the network that causes epilepsy, of there's abnormal firing that tends to happen in a rhythm. So seizures from epilepsy tend to, if they have a motor component, be pretty rhythmic 
and the same every single time and generally mostly the same over the course of the seizure. It can spread from one area to the other or sort of evolve a little bit, but it's mostly super stereotyped. And patients with functional seizures, when you look at them and you don't have the EG, you don't have the video, they'll often look the same every time. But when you look at the details, it's not as rhythmic, not staying the same rhythm throughout. The shake of the arm is maybe up and down one time and not so much left to right. And then the other side, it's the next time it's less exactly like that and more a little bit different. That's why sort of the gold standard is video EG. Mm -hmm. And in places that don't have video EG, um, we try to figure out what we can get away with um, with videos that are provided by patients themselves or loved ones or just our impression overall. How much of the uh, seizures, when you figure out, you know, the person goes through talking with a neurologist, then getting anti-seizure medications, then turning around and, you know, going through the dosage mapping or uh, titration level mapping Mm -hmm. process to actually get to qualify to the video EEG how many or what percentage of them are actually functional seizures as opposed to epileptic seizures? So what we know is what we see. So of people that come in for video EEG, maybe 20 to 30% of them are functional or dissociative, which is a big number. Yeah. Um, And some of the work that you mentioned in 2012 is there's multiple reasons to come in for video EG. It's either differential diagnosis, which means we think you have epilepsy, we think you might not have epilepsy, or pre-surgical monitoring. And generally, we have some information of, we think we're confirming that this person has functional seizures, but we don't, we need the data. But I showed in 2012 that maybe five or 10% of the people that are sent to video EG for surgery don't actually have epilepsy. So that illustrates the problem. Um, And one of the problems that I try to work on a lot is it takes 10 to 15 years to get to video EG for for epilepsy surgery. Mm -hmm. It takes maybe six to 10 years to get there for functional seizures. So that whole period of time, you're going through medication trials, you're going through other things. Sorry, three-year-old. And it can be hard, and you're not really getting effective control. We really do appreciate Dr. Kerr coming on the show to help explain the finer details of functional seizures. I know a lot of my friends from the Silicon Valley listen to this podcast. Dr. Kerr and UCLA Neurology are doing some great things with machine learning and statistical analysis on big data sets. The work, while challenging, has a huge chance of making a difference to the 65 million people worldwide struggling with epilepsy. If you're a software engineer and a big data junkie, Looking for a new 20% project? You should reach out to him or UCLA Neurology Department. I'm sure they would love to speak with you. For months, Dr. Kerr has been a staple in our epilepsy community on Twitter. Even while raising a toddler and now a new baby, he's continued to make himself available for non-evaluation questions about seizures and epilepsy. His insights have been extremely valuable and tremendous help to us epilepsy awareness advocates. Thank you, Dr. Kerr, for taking social networking seriously and being there for us. We would love to hear any comments or questions regarding this or any of our other episodes. You can reach out to us via email at social.brainyblaze.com or at Twitter at Brainyblaze. And if you like our episodes, consider subscribing or even helping us by providing a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your content. 
more high reviews allow us to reach a broader audience. One small click really does help. See you next time. <laughs>